Welcome to DaVinci's Discourse, where the minds of today's most innovative entrepreneurs are unveiled and explored. And my name is Kyle Campbell, your guide on this journey into the depths of the entrepreneurial psyche. So sit back, relax, and get ready to dive into the minds of the greats. This is DaVinci's Discourse. So let's get right into it, brother. Why don't you tell us a little bit what you do and who you do it for, and then we'll get into the how you do it. Awesome. Uh, my name is Sean Mason. Um, if you follow me on LinkedIn, um, I'm known as the Experience Evangelist. Uh, what that means is, uh, you know, I, I was recently uh, named one of the top 30 CX influencers to follow um, on LinkedIn. I'm a voice, and uh, you know, do is I own a company called Mofi. We're a boutique experience design firm, and that firm focuses on the experience ecosystem, which is all of the touch points um, that interact within your organization. So we actually define it as the web of people, points, and systems that combine to define the experience of everyone who interacts with an organization. And then we talk about it, it's to leverage experience as a competitive advantage, one that increases engagement, loyalty, and revenue year after year and requires engaging and humanizing the entire ecosystem. Um, and so that's all wrapped up when we talk, we talk about employee experience, customer experience, digital experience, chain, leadership, marketplace, vendor experience, brand loyalty. So, um, and that comes from my days of working at Disney. So that's a little bit about who I am and what I do. Interesting, man. It comes from your days of working at Disney. Tell me about that and tell me how you got into this. Yeah, so um, I worked for Disney for six years. Uh, started there um, in their finance department and ultimately ended up becoming a Walt Disney Imagineer. And my um, time at Walt Disney Imagineer, I was exposed to uh, amazing things um, around what it was like to take what I call the back of the house and marry the front of the house. So even though I did not interact with guests on a day-to-day -day basis, I still understood that my role in finance was just as important as my role um, anywhere else else's role dealing with guests that I was there to create magical experiences for that four-year-old princess four-year-old pirate and all of a sudden it clicked inside of me that wow if we could learn that uh, across every business that everybody's a customer that everyone every role you're in makes everybody's experience better, what difference it could make with an organization. Hmm. Interesting. I like the way that you tied those two together. So how would a company go about making that magical experience? Yeah, so, you know, it goes back to what um, I was talking about earlier, the experience ecosystem. Um, you think of great companies like Disney, like, uh, Chick-fil-A, like Home Depot, Harley Davidson, Nordstrom, Rich Carlton, all of those, what they focus on first 
is getting the human experience right with their employees or their associates um, and making sure that they're taken care of so that ultimately then in the end that the guests care of or your customers taken care of. Um, and I have a quote that I love to tell everybody that if you get the human experience right, you'll get the numbers you need. So focus on mm. getting your employee experience right, your guest experience right, and ultimately, you'll get the business numbers that you need to be successful. Interesting. Okay, so where does one start when it comes to doing that? Uh, right, employees. Uh, make sure you're taking care of your employees. Make sure you're treating them the way um, that you want everyone treated, how you want your guests to be treated. And unfortunately, there are so many companies, um, Kyle, that don't do that. And that's pretty sad to me. How do you know when you're taking care of your employees? What are some some byproducts that you can look for when you you know you're doing it right? Employee retention, um, right. Or, and you know churn. If people are leaving your company um, and they're happy, um, you know you can measure that internally through uh, surveys or whatever. But I just tell people if you've got people that have great tenure within your company. That means you're probably doing something right. And so you're either building pathways for them to be successful, you're you're meeting their needs. I tell people all the time, I loved my time at Disney, incredible. Um, and a lot of people don't realize that it pays um, a bit under industry average. Mm. Um, but the, their benefits and how they treat their cast members, um, people stay there for lifetimes for. Yeah, see, that's what I'm wondering is... is... Your time at Disney, you found that you were able to create that magical experience, not from working with the guests per se, but from the back end of it, um, from the engine that was making the car go, um, or from the 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 electricity that's pumping through the roller coaster. <laughs> you know, you you weren't yes. the you weren't the cart that was on the roller coaster. You were the one that was providing the the electricity that was pumping into it that make it made it possible to begin with, right? And so I'm wondering. When it comes down to uh, what you've learned from that that position, uh, what do you think is the most beneficial that you could tell an entrepreneur so that they can get that lesson that you were able to take on to other companies? Um, understand that every employee within your organization affects your customer. So that that means if it's someone in IT, if it's someone in purchasing, if it's someone, you know, in finance, or if it's your salespeople, every role really impact customer. Mm. You know, that makes me wonder what the, the ideal situation is in terms of how to put each employee in their, their correct role. Um, why don't you tell me exactly what your company does and, and how that tailors into what we're talking about right now? Yeah, so we talk about this thing, um, within our organization called the Experience Promise. Okay. Um, which is known as affectionately what we um, call the North Star. If everyone in the organization knows the direction that you're going and why you're going 
in that direction. Mm. And they're given the tool to make that happen. Then it's, it's really easy. And, and you know, we build it out in a four phase uh, process called the experience journey. Some people like Disney, who I would say were the champions of this, call it their common purpose. I've heard many people call it um, customer intentions, whatever it is, um, but it's giving people that North, that thing that when you need to make business decisions, you know that it's held in that. And when you do that, um, then never a question of what do we need to do next in our organization or what how do we need to get there it is does this align to our north star um and, and this year took an interim ceo role and went inside to a company and we built star and then we made sure that our values match that as well mm. and so it, it just becomes really easy to make business decisions it becomes easy in your review processes, all of that. Um, because you have the one common thread, that North Star that everyone points to. How do you go about finding that North Star in a company? Let's say that I hired you and we got on board together. What would that look like? Uh, what would the first steps be? Well, we do something called an Experience Promise Design Summit. Okay. Bring uh, a diverse of people within um, your organizations um, and they design it. It's, it's actually not meant for senior leaders to design, but it's meant for a group of people within an organization to design. Um, and then we build it and then we start to build training and integration within the business and then ultimately operational integration. Um, so it's not a, just a C-suite Decision. It's a decision made um, with a, a cross collaborative group, very thought, diverse in thinking within an organization. Mm, okay, interesting. So when it comes down to it, what are some first steps that you and I would take? Like tactically speaking, what would that look like? Uh, let's say you just hire, I just hired you on as a client and we we are getting into this process together. What would be the, the first steps that we would do together? We would do, we would create a design summit, um, and the in that summit we would we would talk about alignment okay. around the experience strategy within the organization, and ultimately the experience ecosystem and the experience promise um, prototypes, um, and that's usually a day and a half to two days. Okay, interesting. So we're getting into a little bit of the uh, of the the terminology barrier that we're going to face here because um, I'm wondering what these terms actually mean when it comes down to it uh, because I'm not familiar with with the terminology itself. So uh, why don't you get into a little bit of of what these these words mean when it comes down to working within a company? How would they go about? Uh, let, let's say somebody's listening and they want to create that magical experience for their customers. Uh, what what would be the the specific first steps that we would take them through? Well, it, it's moving from most companies have, um, you know, a customer experience team mo or they have a customer success team or they have a customer service team. Um, and people are, are working at 
different things throughout the teams within an organization. So right. what it really comes down to the first means from experience as um, experience management to experience as a strategy. So talk about the word experience right. is what I talked about beginning uh, around the experience ecosystem. It's your customer experience, your digital experience. We, we also define it as your supply chain, your leadership and culture, place awareness, vendor relations, brand and loyalty, and employee experience. It's all those is what the experience is within your organization. You have to have an experience. So in that very first design summit that you do, you actually build an experience strategy for your organization and you get your leadership aligned to that. And then the see. next piece is building your own system out for your organization so that you can then build an experience promise, much like a mission statement, but a promise is wrapped around experience. Mission statements are outward facing, experience promise statements are inward facing. Mm. Well, explain the difference between the two. Well, that uh, is for stakeholders. This is who our company is. This is what we do company. An experience promise is how we do it. Mm, we will do for our people. Oh, that's an interesting differentiation. Okay. Hmm. Okay. So you named that there are, uh, did you say that there's four criteria when it comes to nailing this down? Uh, you just, well, you just went through a, the, the four, I think it was four there's, uh, different. There's four, fa there's four phases that we walk through. Okay. So what's, what are the four phases? Why don't you give us the overview and then we can go into each one, what each one uh, means individually. Yeah. So we just talked about phase one, which is the experience promise design summit. Okay. Um, and so that's where you get the alignment with the leadership. And that's when you build your ecosystem and that's when you get your um, prototypes built. Phase two is the champion, the champions summit. Um, and that's where you define behavioral guidelines, your quality standards and your leaders. So it's taking that first initial experience promise prototype, broadening it out to bigger group. And then after you've broadened it out and along, you start developing your behavioral guidelines, your quality standards, and your leadership behaviors. Once all that is done, you move to phase three, which includes ends in your entire organization. Um, is fine as connecting the entire organization with the experience promise. So it's equipping and inspiring the training team. So your champions, you, you equip them to train this, um, and then you train all your teams and leaders throughout your whole organization. Um, we've done this several times from small organizations to our organization. We did this with 85,000 associates. Wow. Um, and then you move to operational integration, which is integrating the experience promise throughout the organization. And this is doing experience audits. This is nine sessions to create the integration roadmap. 
So this is when you start redefining your hiring practices, your review processes, your business decisions, because you're all aligned to that North Star or that experience promise. Right. And so you're in, in the phase four, the operational integration, you are, you're making sure that the company is being congruent with the, uh, well, with the, the experience. Um, well, I guess what it comes down to is, is you're looping it back around to phase one uh, experience promise design summit. You're making sure that the organization is really in line with, uh, with that experience promise, right? Yes. Gotcha. Okay. So let's walk through these four um, in a little bit more detail and we can use a specific example. Um, would you be willing to use an example of a client that you've recently done this with? Generalized without, with, you know, without naming names or anything, but yeah. generalized so that it is um, uh, relevant to, to an entrepreneur that's listening to this with their company. Yes. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. So let's go oh. through step with phase one here. Phases, steps, how do you prefer to talk about them? Well, and, and I would I would actually say this, uh, when we're looking at this, it doesn't matter what size of the company, um, okay. Kyle. Um, so uh, walking through it again, uh, it's, it's pretty simple for any organization. Um, you know, that, that, that design phase one design summit, it's bringing your leadership team together. So your senior leaders and your executives um, over a two day summit. And the deliverables out of that is the experience strategy, your experience ecosystem, and your experience prompt statement, your first draft or your prototype. Okay, so can you give us some That's, examples of what those three look like? Uh, well, uh, yeah, I mean, so, well, I, you know, if you go onto our website at Mophie, the experience ecosystem is what I just talked about. Um, and it really is driving to whatever your organization wants your experience ecosystem to be. Um, but it's usually nine things that come into that. Um, and every organization is different because it depends on business you're in. Well, of course, of course. Mm -hmm. um, what are the nine things that go into it? Well, that's that's dependent on your business. I see. Okay, okay. So there's not uh, nine criteria that you need to fulfill. Um, so why no. nine then? Um, it, that's typically how we just see that uh, most organizations are pretty good at that nine space. Um, of getting it down to an experience ecosystem. We've had some that have been to 11. We've gone some that have done 10. It just depends. There's no real number behind it. Okay. Um, but it, it's just, it's remembering that your experience ecosystem is the web of people, touch points, and systems. So it's making sure that you're covering touch points and systems, touch points and systems um, within your organization. Hmm. Um, and so if you can do it in less than nine, great. If you need more than nine, ours is, our, our prototype or our demo of it is nine. Um, and I can find you that know, on your website can, right now? Yes, you can. What's your website? Mofi, M-O-F-I dot C-O. I like that. Okay. Um, oh, I like your website too. 
So where do I go to find these these nine items that uh, that we're talking about here? So if you go under our approach, yep. Antique oh, okay. There's a whole page that's written around this. Interesting. I like your website a lot, man. Um, what are some ways that you're going about getting clients? Hey, I hope you're enjoying the podcast. And I want to let you know that I've got a free book that you can get if you want to tap into more of these resources. And you can get that for free at kylesbook.com. Back to the podcast. Uh, typically word of mouth. We've, we've been very interesting. So you don't have a system that 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 consistently brings you in business going to this, this website. No. Interesting. Okay. So one of the ways that we're doing, and I think this would work here is we're using a book to, to be distributed on LinkedIn with AI. So the AI automatically distributes all of the the content from their book and the way the book is created. Do, Do you have a book right now? Uh, we have two books. Oh, okay. Interesting. So the way that would work is you would use AI to promote your one of your books on LinkedIn, giving them away for free as a as a, a gift, a lead magnet. And you would be able to to get viewers coming to your site on the back of that that gift. Um so this is what I'm wondering is is if you're only relying on word of mouth right now, um what would be the the ideal price point? Like, let's say, uh, let's say we got people coming in from your LinkedIn, and we can. And this is called the marketing podcast. And so, generally, what we like to do is talk about how you're getting clients and what you're doing uh, to get them. Uh, and so, let's say that we hooked up an AI bot to give away your book on LinkedIn. We were able to give it away to a thousand people a month and drive a thousand people to this to this website here. Um, what would we be selling, and what would the price point be initially? So we um, we don't put our price out because all of our all of our clients and all of our situations are um, there. It just depends on what they're wanting. It's customizable packages, um, okay. and so that's why we that's why we have depended um, a much more on word of mouth. And we're a boutique firm, so we also know we're not for everybody. Of course. Um, we're a small team. Um, and so that, you know, and all throughout our website, you can do it, you know, let, <laughs> um, all through there, people can send us an email for, for us to meet with them and discuss with them um, around what they're looking for exactly. Um, and then we customize the package to that. Interesting. It also okay, depends so you, on the site company and how many people we're working with. Of course, with. of course. And so essentially what you do is you you ask clients what their pains are and then you you formulate an offer based around solving those pains. Yes. Okay, interesting. So this is the way that I would get clients for you is, is I would hook up the AI to distribute your book for free on LinkedIn. Uh, would you be would you be okay with giving one of your books away for free if it meant driving a whole bunch of uh, new client calls? Uh, yeah. We would be open to that. 
Okay, interesting. Okay, so this is how it would work is the AI would distribute your book for free on the thank you page of the book, it would be book a call to see how we can help you. And people would automatically from the AI distributing your book, book a call to see if it's a fit for them. Um, that's that's how we're getting clients right now. And it's uh, it's working extraordinarily well, because since you have a book, it seems like that would be a no brainer for you guys to test this out. Because, well, a book is, as you know, it gives authority and it gives you immediate trust and uh, that reciprocity bias because you're giving it away for free to people. And so um, what would be the, how many LinkedIn connections do you have right now? Uh, almost 85,000. 85,000? Yes. <laughs> I was expecting 8,500. 85,000. So no. really, you got 85,000 LinkedIn connections, um, followers. Yes. Oh man, you're sitting on a gold mine. Do you realize that? How many, how many new, uh, how many new client slots do you have available? If I were to flood your calendar with with new clients, how many would you be able to serve right now? Uh, we can we can scale up or down, but probably we could probably add four or five more. Oh, that's it. Eh? Is there a way that we can we can um, alter the service in some way or, or automate some factors of it so that way it is a hundred percent like you can you can get maybe fifteen or twenty? Um, because okay, this yeah, is my this, thinking uh, is this, like, this, this pro yeah this process this process isn't able to be automated. Of course, of uh, course. Far but, if the work isn't able to be automated. No, no, but the client acquisition would be able to be. Um, and so you've got room for four or five right now. Man, you've got 85,000 LinkedIn followers. Dude, you're sitting on a gold mine with that because, for example, um, I've got I've got 1,200 <laughs> and it's hilarious next year's. But with the AI, with only my 1,200, I've been able to get 66 client appointments over the last month and that we pulled in 25K uh, profit from that uh, 1,200 followers or 1,200 connections. So if you've got 85,000, the AI would just be able to get to work with that and start distributing your book for free and driving calls. Is that what your sales process would look like? Is it would be uh, somebody hopping on the phone with the people and finding out how you can help them? if you can help them and then and then working out some sort of a, a custom plan for that individual yes that's what it would look like oh man interesting yeah you're sitting on a gold mine dude um how do you and we'll talk about that um let's get back to the to to this though because i'm curious how do you see ai influencing um what you're doing um i think it i tell people around ai embrace it um, and allow it to help alleviate the things that need to be alleviated in your business so people can get so people can get back to human interaction. Mm, I love that. Yes. It's not a so how do you so how do you yeah. So how 70% of customers still want human connection. Yes. I mean, a hundred percent do really. I mean, it's a human need. We need, we all need that human connection. Yes. I don't think everyone wants it, but, um, but <laughs> so how do you, how do you get that relief from people? Um, and how do you find a balance between high touch and high tech mm. um, and make it all happen? Right. Um, so how do you see the answer to that? 
you have to find you have to find where um where you can alleviate that yes like uh, the way i look at it is ai is like the uh it's what can spread the potential of new connections around like like spreading seeds in a farm field for example but it still needs that the, that human touch to be able to form those connections with the clients at the end of the day so it can facilitate the the connections it can start those connections off but when it comes down to actually um turning those those connections into into clients and and formulating that real genuine connection with somebody then you need to be able to get on the phone with them and you can't rely wholly on on ai to be able to do that for you right that's what you're saying at the end of the day yes yeah man i love that i love that because it's it's not replacing human connection it's just facilitating it it's starting it off um just the same way as the, as if we ran an AI campaign with your LinkedIn profile. Um, would you have any reservations towards that? I mean, eighty five thousand. That number keeps ringing in my head. Uh, you're you're sitting on an absolute gold mine there. Would you have any reservations for us using AI to start getting in touch with these people, giving away your book, providing value, and then getting them on the phone with you? Yeah, I mean, I think I want to make sure that we're getting in touch with the right people. Of course, not just with people. Of yes. course, of course. So, what does your what are those eighty five thousand people consist of? Are they, so they're not all the right people. Um, I, I would say, people revenue generating businesses that are looking to go to the next level. Yes, like yeah. like we're probably not the the answer for solopreneurs, right? Um, and so that that's. I'm pretty protective of Mophie's brand and my brand. Of course. Making sure that we're not just out there pushing. Yeah, right. But making Absolutely. sure that we're partnering with the right people. Yes. Well, I mean, that's that's what the key is, right? That's why I think that we start off with giving away your book for free. So that way um, you're you're starting that off with value. It's not pushing anything. It's, hey, here here's my free book. And then on the thank you page, if you want, you can book a call with us and we can see how we can help you. Um, that's how I see that playing off. Um, I'm interested. Yeah, in and we 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 honestly um, get book out for now. Do you use automation? If anyone wants to do my, that? Uh, no, no. But if someone has wanted our book, you know, uh, you know like you go on Amazon and you're a Kindle subscriber, you get our book for free. Um, you know, the book is is to me what I call um, the best business card I've ever had. Right. Yes. I mean, that's what we sell is we sell these books. Generally, we will turn these interviews into books using AI. Um, but since you already have the business card, man, what we would do, you just distribute that to to the right fit of those 85,000 people, not the solopreneurs, but the people who have a budget for uh, improving what they're already doing with your experience framework. Um, huh. Yeah, man, uh, that, there's a huge opportunity there. Uh, have you explored the avenues of using AI to, to start getting in touch with these people yet? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. what did you find? And I, and I use... I, I use some AI today to speak to some of, to speak to my audience. How, um, how does that work? What, what does that look like? Uh, just how I connect with them. I mean, I, I have several ways I do it. 
Um, but I, I also have, you know, I, I'm also pretty honored that I have, you know, a, a newsletter that, you know, 40, 40 something thousand people subscribe to wow. as well. Mm. Um, so, um, so I'm always open um, to it. Uh, like I said, I'm just I'm protective of how. You're protective of what? Sorry, you cut out a little bit. Of how we use it. Right, of course, because you, you've got a lot on the line with it. Now, how long have you been building that up for? A couple of years. Only a couple of years. Interesting. Yes. What are some of the yes. things that you did to grow it to that scale? Well, yeah. Uh, I paid a coach um, and a son now to do that. Can't give all my secrets away. But I will tell people this. I built that 85,000 followers up without using any AI. Was it a content generation strategy? Don't hold back on me, man. Come on. I'm curious in terms of how you uh, broke that up. Don't hold back on me, baby. No, Come on. <laughs> no. They're, 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 uh, I did a good amount of money to a coach to teach me what I learned today to build up my thought leadership space there. Right. Uh, but what I do tell people, I used zero AI to do it. What's the number one impactful thing that you've done? Found my audience. Sorry, you cut out. Man. And what, what your audience? Found the right audience. Mm. My right mm. audience. Right. Okay. So yeah. not every not everything I do speaks to everybody, and that's okay. Yeah. Okay. And you said uh, you found the right audience, and then I cut you off by, by mistake because I couldn't hear what you said. Um, and being okay with that. Oh, I see. Okay, okay, right. So we can go into this a little bit. Um, how did you find the right audience, and how did you know that it was the right audience for you? Um. So the field that I work in is experience. So there's a whole industry of chief experience officers mm -hmm. um, there's a whole industry of CEOs and I do a ton of work in the healthcare space so that as well um, it made it pretty easy hmm. man fascinating fascinating story um if I were to ask you the perfect question right now that would help the entrepreneur listening the most, what would that question be? Stay true to, or how do you stay true to yourself while building a business? And how do you do that? Uh, you, you, just, you have to know who you are. I don't, you can tell people how to do that. Um, but you just be true to who you are. Yeah. See, I feel like that's something that a lot of entrepreneurs miss, man. 
Um, they'll start a business because somebody told them that it was a good idea. And then as soon as somebody else tells them that somebody, some other business is a good idea, then they jumped on the bandwagon of that one and they're jumping around and they're trying to find their niche and they're, they're not basing it off of who they are. And you're saying to focus on who you are first, and then it will lead to that, um, that finding the right audience, which is what you did to start growing your, your following. Yes. Hmm. Yeah. When it comes to um, building that that following out, what's the number one thing that you did after you found your audience to to start getting that traction initially? I made sure that the content that I was posting spoke to that audience. Mm, yeah, see, now we're getting into it. Okay, interesting. And give me an example of of a piece of content that was that changed something for you that, that that initially got you that traction years ago what what did that look like uh it's just it's just learning to speak their language i don't know that it's any single piece i don't know that it's any single thing it's just learning what speaks to you it, it's learning to what speaks to your audience and speak to your audience I know it sounds so simple, but that's really as simple as it can. And I guess that's a, it depends obviously on, on the audience, but it's in terms of finding that, that right language to audience match that comes over time, I reckon, right? Is there anything that you've learned in terms of finding that right language to be using in the content that you're posting for anybody that's got a, a different audience than you? Uh, be willing to... Be willing to uh, be willing to be okay with um, with I, I would say this be willing to be okay with failing and mm. trying different types of content as fast mm. as you can as fast if as that makes can. sense. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. it does. If you know, yeah. Is LinkedIn the only platform that you're on? It's the only, yes. That was the other best piece of advice that I was ever given in my career. Is uh, I had a very dear friend of mine say to me one day, make sure um, instead of trying to do six platforms, mm. am I okay? Pick one outlet where you know your customer is and do it really well hmm. and that's what i did my customers aren't on tiktok on instagram my customers are on LinkedIn. the people that speak my language and speak to me and what we do are sitting there on linkedin and so that's what i focus on i have small following the other ones but I don't, I don't focus on that. Now I'm wondering how your four step process um, tailors into the content that you're creating on LinkedIn, because 
obviously if you've got the experience down, then that, that trails off into the content that you're posting. And so it starts with that experience promise design summit, uh, where you create the prototype and then you, you go into the, the champion summit, which is the guidelines, the leadership behaviors, um, that match the, the design, right. The pro the experience promise design. Um, do I have that right so far? Now I will tell you this. Okay. Um, if you go look at my content, yeah, and my posts on LinkedIn, I very seldom talk about that four-step process. No, I know, but the thinking behind it is is what goes into creating the content that that resonates with these people. Not talking about it overtly, but take, ha having that embedded in your company culture is what allows you to build the content that speaks and creates these experiences in your posts. Uh, uh, yes, in a way, again, you, I can't get into all the secret sauce. No, you keep that secret sauce to yourself, man. I get it. But I'm just wondering, because <laughs> first of all, I want the secret sauce, damn it, but it's okay. I, I hundred percent get it. <laughs> um, but I, I'm just trying to tie it together so that I can see how having these promise designs flawlessly laid out will tailor into the 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 content that you're that you're delivering because it sounds to me like I'm onto something when it comes to pairing up this four step process and creating the content once you've you've really mastered that experience promise uh yes yeah <laughs> so it does it does in a way yes uh, because I have a promise to the people that follow me and I know the promise I want to make to them um, and that is around staying true to myself so in my content I stay true to myself hmm. how do you know when you're staying true to yourself uh, you, you you have to you have to, to live it you have to know it I, I can't tell people that one that's not something you can tell people. Something that you feel. That's that. That's something when you wake up in the morning, you know you're staying true to yourself. And it's a feeling that it comes down to. It's it's. Uh, how would you put it if you had to describe the feeling? Uh, when I lay my head down at night, I wake up in the morning. I have peace. Peace. Mm. I love that, man. Okay. I mean, I'm not going to get into your secret sauce because um, I get yeah. it. Um, my last question is, what's a question that I should have asked you but didn't? Oh. You know, I don't know that I have one. You've done pretty good. I've had a blast. I mean, <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, it's fascinating, your, your story. I mean... I'm I'm extremely fascinated with how the the promise design uh in, in staying true to yourself is it, getting because you're obviously doing something right. It, and what I think that is is you're able you found a way to funnel that being true to yourself into the content building that you're that you're generating. Um and it it, it speaks to people in a way that other content doesn't, clearly. Otherwise, you wouldn't have the following that you do. Um, and so I want to give you props for that, man, because I feel like a lot of people are missing that, that step right there. Big time. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you.
Well, thank <laughs> you for um, listening to the story. <laughs> My pleasure. No, it's been an absolute pleasure. So, uh, yeah, man, Sean, it's been a pleasure. Um, is there anything, uh, anything you'd like to add before we take off here? Nope. All good, brother. Thank All you right, so man. much for having me do this. It's my pleasure, dude. Absolutely my pleasure. All right. I hope you enjoyed that podcast episode. And if you want to get a free copy of my book, go to kylesbook.com and you can get a copy there. I'll talk with you soon.